Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. Good morning, everyone. So good to see your faces. Um, don't we have an incredible team? They're so wonderful. And now Gabby can drum as loud as she wants. <laughs> you guys, you can you can be dismissed for a little bit. Thank you for your help. Um, you guys, I have uh, I'm struggling a little bit with like allergies or something. So just letting you know, it's not the Rona, okay? This is give you a heads up. Don't don't get don't get upset. It's just some sinus, a little sinus sinus. So today we're going to continue talking about grace. And um, who's been enjoying grace, learning about grace? Has it given you any freedom? Just to live life and not be worried about sin all the time and thinking about sin all the time? Living free in Christ Jesus is how he wants us to live because he came to give us life and life more abundantly. And so we can't be living life abundant if we're just worried about sin every single day all the time, can we? <laughs> I would. That's not abundant life to me. <laughs> like worrying about if I'm going to do this wrong, if am I going to, is, no, it's not okay. It's not life abundant to me. And I don't think it is for you either, you guys. So let's just do a recap for the people who haven't been here. I see a lot of awesome faces. We have some, some of my family here. We love them. Some of my extended not blood family here. <laughs> if you guys know Peggy, she grew up, well, I grew up with her in church. And so she is uh, family to me. Um, so make her feel welcome. That's all I'm saying, you know. Um, so week one, we talked about, I know you're probably tired of my recaps. I feel like yeah, there's a recap every week, <laughs> but at least you're going to remember one of the things, right? Okay. On week one, we talked about grace and salvation. It's not because I am good or was good. It's because I'm yours. I'm God's. He paid the ultimate price for me to have salvation and freedom and deliverance and healing and so it's not because I'm good or I act good or any of that. It's because I'm yours. It's because I'm his. Uh, week two, I'm righteous, not by my performance, but by my position in Christ. Because he, when we believe in Jesus, righteousness is put into our account. We become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so I'm righteous by my position that he has given me and not by my performance. So it's not anything that I can do. It's not any works that I could do. It's not any certain thing going to church on Sunday. That's not, that's not what makes me righteous. It's not what makes me right with God. That's just what righteousness means. It's simple. So in, righteousness, a big word. It seems kind of scary, but it just means being right with God. <laughs> so week three, we talked about grace being the anchor of our soul, and our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. 
And so Jesus is our high priest of a better covenant with better promises. And he's good. He sat down because he doesn't have to stand all the time. The priest in the Old Testament had to stand all the time and continually offer sacrifices. And Jesus offered one sacrifice for all human mankind for one, for one time for all, and he sat down. And he's, he's still sitting. <laughs> he doesn't have to get up and offer more sacrifices. He gave it all, and it covered us all. It didn't just cleanse us, and we have to do it again and again. It covered us. We're covered. A week four, we talked about salvation being eternal, which is not just in the future, but it's past, present, and future. Talked about that we're saved. It's past tense. Saved, justified, redeemed, accepted, washed, adopted, forgiven. It's finished. These are all past tense. We don't have to look at the past anymore because we've, all of it's gone. We keep looking back, and the Lord's saying, what you looking at? <laughs> There's nothing back there. I don't see it. Sometimes we continually look back there because we remember, right? But the Lord doesn't remember. It's gone. So stop looking at the past. Keep going. Move ahead. All right. Week five, we talked about that we're saved by grace for good works. So good works are good, obviously, right? They're good. They're not bad. It's not bad to do good works. But we're saved by grace, not by good works, but we're saved for good works. And if you're still alive, you're breathing, then he still has good works for you to do. And he's trying to chase you down, not to punish you. So like, you know, whenever you're like, oh, God has a word for me. Oh, no, he's going he's gonna to call it. Oh, y'all, I've backslid in, in uh Bible school. You probably didn't know that. Sorry. But uh, the Lord knew, so that's all that matters. <laughs> I backslid a little bit in Bible school, and every time I went to class, which I went to class, I was a good, I was a good Bible stu- student. <laughs> good. Uh, but every time I went to class, I was sure one of them was going to find me out and say, the Lord said, <laughs> you've been doing this thing. <laughs> and I was like, no, Lord, no. <laughs> <laughs> But he's trying to chase you down, not to punish you, but to get you into purpose to do what you're created to do and to live in communion and intimacy with him. He doesn't want you to be shaken in your seat. He just wants you to say, hey, that's not right. Repent and turn and go the other way because he has good things that other way. He's got good plans for you that other way. All right. Um, I, we, we, there was a lot last week. I'm called by God, I'm saved, I'm redeemed. Oh, we talked about this. But now it's time to do a good work. And then we also talked last week about how God, how people say, only God can judge me. And I mean, you're right, I guess, in the end. But what they don't realize is that God is going to judge you. He will judge you. And so I think that it's better to do the good works, to live in communion and intimacy with him than to be, uh, to be using God, only God can judge me, to excuse what you already know is what you shouldn't be doing, right? 
<laughs> but your belief determines where you spend eternity. So your belief, when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you are righteous with God. You are going to heaven. You're going to be with him for eternity for all the plans and cool things he's got planned. But your behavior is how you spend eternity. So there are, there is a judgment. There will be a judgment and there will be rewards for different things, for doing what God has asked you to do. So if you haven't asked God in a while, like, hey, God, what would you like me to do? You probably need to start doing that a little bit, a little bit more. <laughs> and he is going to speak, I promise you guys. So this week, this week we're going to talk about a little bit, it's, it's a little scattered, I'm sorry if it's a little scattered, but we're going to talk about the law a little bit more. Because I want you to know that, I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt that we're not under the law. But the law is not bad. God created the law. It's in the Bible. He didn't like be like, okay, rip out pages three, <laughs> whatever, to four, whatever. You know, he didn't say, he didn't say, hey, it's, it's gone. He said he came to fulfill it. And it, it does show us, hey, we have a better way now. All right, so, and I want to talk about how we are the bride of Christ. People are like, oh, that's weird. I'm a guy. I don't want to be a bride. <laughs> but we are the bride of Christ. The Lord instituted marriage. He instituted um, the concept of marriage, the covenant. And so I think that we get stuck with, like, our human thinking, right? But the Lord... He used the bride to explain grace. And so I'll show you. I'll show you that we are the bride first. So in Revelations 21.9, it says, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And then there was another one. Oh, did I write it down? Oh, I think I did. It's down here. Hold on. Oh, maybe I didn't. Anyway, it talks about us being... Whenever he comes back, we're going to be the spotless, blameless bride of Christ. And don't we want to do that? Don't we want to, to, to be that? Ephesians 5, I still don't have it on here somewhere. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, all right, so let's go to Romans 6, 14. We're just going to lay some groundwork. So in Romans 6, 14, it says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And if you, we, we might go through these fast, so if you just want to write down some of them, then that's okay, so you can go back later and make sure I didn't lie to you. I'm not lying to you, but I'm just saying you should always check. I might have the wrong scripture, too. You might have to go find and Google it, so <laughs> I'm known for that. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. And so if sin is still, a, still, a, if sin is still having dominion over you, you haven't fully received a revelation of grace, of his grace. And you know, a lot of times the devil will take the law and use it against you. And you'll be like, wait, no, he wouldn't do that because that's the Bible. He's not going to use the Bible against you. But he did that to Jesus in the wilderness. 
He used the scripture against him. He twisted it. He used it against him. Well, he didn't even twist it, really. He just said, hey, this is what the, the, the Bible says. And Jesus said, well, but the Bible also says. And so we have to know that we are not under the law. So that when the devil comes and says, well, hey, you, uh, I'm going to use this to, to make you feel bad or to shame you or to you're not doing enough or you did this thing and you shouldn't be doing it. We have to know that we're not under the law, but we're under grace. Let's go to um, Romans 7, 1 through 4. So now, this is in the NLT version. Oh, we can, do, we can do NKJV first. Let's do that one first. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband, so this is like showing that this is how the law was. When a woman, when a woman has a husband, is for, sorry, let me just redo this. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she'll be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law, so she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, my, bre my brethren, you have also become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. We're going to read it in the NLT. So now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law only applies while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he's alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply. Let's skip down. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. <laughs> You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ, and now you are united with the one who, has, who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. So we were married to the law before this. So the law was our first husband, <laughs> all of us, men included. We were married to the law, and the law was our husband. So, but what kind of husband was the law? Was he was the law forgiving, uh, compassionate, caring, loving? No, the law just points out what you do right and what you do wrong. So the, this would be the husband. Oh, you did that wrong. You did that wrong. You did that wrong. Oh, you did that one right. Yeah, you did that one right. But you did that wrong. You did that right. <laughs> Don't nudge your husband right now and say, this is how you are. Don't do it. The law is an overbearing, fault-finding, critical, judgmental husband, right? And so who wants a husband like that? Anybody? No. <laughs> Nobody wants a spouse like that. Nobody. And so the law is not going to die or go away. Matt, Matthew 5, 17 through 18 says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill for assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. And so 
The law is not going to go away, but we can die to the law. We can be born again in Jesus Christ. And we don't have to be married to the law. We don't have to be stuck. We're not. We're not. We don't have to be. When we're born again, the law is, is nothing. It's not bad. It's the, God made it. But we, when we're born again, Jesus becomes our new husband. And we are the bride of Christ. So in Romans 6, 1 through 10, we talked about this the other day. So I wanted to rehash it. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? No, of course not. That's not the point of grace. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power, we now we also may live new lives. And so now that we have lived new lives, we're not, we don't have to have that first husband anymore. We're not bound to that first husband anymore. We have a new husband, a new life in Christ. We are a new creation. And so my first point, which you guys probably already know, but the law cannot justify you. It can't justify you. Romans 3.20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And Romans 3.28, Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith, apart from the deeds of the law. So we're not, we, can't, we can't be justified by the law. It's, we can't do it. We believe... Oh, so in Galatians 3, we're going to Galatians 3. Sorry, Blake, I'm going fast. <laughs> in Galatians 3, um, there were some people going around preaching, and they said, like, we believe in the gospel that Paul is preaching, but you still have to do this one thing. I mean, there were several groups that said, we, you, need, you still need to do some stuff in the law. You still, like, you know. But this certain group, said, like, hey, you still need to get circumcised. Like, we believe in this gospel, but you still need to do this. <laughs> and so Paul addresses them and says, in Galatians 3, and says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not, only, you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. He's like, I got one question for you. This is the only thing I want to know. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? <laughs> and he says, are you so foolish? Uh, Paul's a savage. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? So you started by being born again. Oh, but now you have to perfect yourself by the flesh. You have to do this thing. So let's go to the message translation. The message is a little more savage, actually. He said, you crazy Galatians, did someone put a hex on you? <laughs> Paul, did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? So, Y'all want to talk to people like this sometimes? Like, y'all crazy. 
something crazy has happened. For it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. <laughs> I like I like the passion though here. I like the the oomph, you know, like his sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. So let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? <laughs> you want to know, are you guys going to keep doing this? Because this is crazy. For only crazy people would think that they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or... <laughs> Oh, he's so savage. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? I would write that one down, just saying. Go back to it. So any time that you add grace, yes, we're saved by grace. I do this all the time, you guys. I'm really trying to get a full revelation of grace. And even though I'm preaching it, I still don't got it all. So I'm not trying to tell you, hey, you need to get this, you need to get this, you need to get this. I'm trying to say, I need to get this, I need to get this, because it's so important to live this way. Because I know that sometimes I say, oh, okay, well, we have grace. Oh, but. And that's not how we should have a full revelation of grace. That's not, that's not fully grace. Oh, but. No, he perfected it. You could not even begin to perfect it. He began it. He who began a good work is faithful to, thank you, finish it, complete it. So if you have, the, if you have grace and you add law to it, that's a false doctrine. It's not right. And when you add, if you have grace and you add law to it, you're taking Christianity down to the place that all the other religions are. Because all the other religions... You have to do works. You have to do this work or that work, or you have to get to this stage, or you have five things you have to do to please their God, right? So every, every religion, every other religion teaches that you have to do things to be right with God. But Christianity is the only religion or relationship, which is way better, right? It's a relationship with Jesus where you don't have to, some, to do something, you just have to receive something. And why do we have such a problem with that? That's so easy. We want everything easy. We want to microwave things in two minutes, but we, all we have to do is receive, and we refuse to do it sometimes. We want things quick and easy, but all we have to do is receive, and yet our minds will work ourselves out of it and say, oh, no, that couldn't be that easy. Too good to be true, right? But that's the gospel. It's the too good to be true gospel. The goodness of God leads people to repentance. Not their, the bashing people on the head with their sin and their problems. That doesn't lead people to repentance. Yes, we should confront sin. Yes, we should say, hey, this is sin. You need to turn and repent. But the goodness of God leads people to repentance. We can't expect people to behave before they give their heart to Jesus. And I see so many Christians doing that. Well, I, I won't even go there. But we all do it sometimes. We see someone who passed away in the news, and we have thoughts like, oh, they shouldn't have been doing that. 
I mean, we've all been there in some capacity. We have to extend grace to others. We have to extend grace. We have got to fix ourselves before we try to fix others. We shouldn't even be trying to fix others. We should be loving others. All right, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> so when someone, have you ever, this one, I want to, I want to give you an example. There was a guy who is uh, a teacher, and he really loved grace. He loved the message of grace. He loved teaching grace, but his wife just seemed to never be able to kind of get that revelation of grace. She, she would just not, she couldn't get it. And he was like, how can I teach her? Maybe if I can understand why she's not getting it, then I could know how to teach other people too. And I could help her as well. So about that time, he, he's thinking about this. He's preparing for his sermon. His wife gets home. And she says, hey, I went to the car wash. He said, oh, great, that's awesome. Well, which car wash did you go to? She said, well, I went to this one down on College Street. And he says, oh, no, 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 you shouldn't have gone to that one. That was the wrong car wash. That was the, that was, that's the worst one. That's, that was the wrong one. And they went on and on. He went on and on for a minute. And then he, they talked about some other things. He went back to his office. So then he starts at, thinking about his wife again and Grace. <laughs> And he asked the Lord, all right, Lord, why can't she get this grace thing? And he said, because you're her husband (laughs) and you're not giving her grace. And so sometimes we teach it, we believe it, we know it, but we don't live it. We don't live it out. And we're supposed to be the hands and feet of, of Jesus, right? So if we don't live it out and we don't give grace to others... And we say, he was being like the law. Wrong, wrong, wrong. And so if, if, if we're critical and we don't give grace, we don't live it out, how will others come to know God's grace? I think it's really important. Grace, the law, this is number two, if we have a number two. The law cannot empower or give you the ability to do the right thing. How many of you, before you knew Christ, read the Bible and was like, oh, that's wrong. Not going to do that anymore. I'm, I'm free from that. Freedom is, you know, in, in the law. And I, I read it, and now I'm free of it. <laughs> I don't think anyone read. They might say, oh, I didn't know that was wrong. <laughs> but that's not going to give them freedom or empowerment to stop doing that thing, Right? And so, let's go to, let's go to, um, oh, I always like to reference this one, Philippians 2.13. You don't have to turn there, but you can write it down. Because it is for God, for it is God who works in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's not the law that works in you. It's the, the Holy Spirit. It's God. He helps you to do those things that are hard to do. He empowers you. Romans 7, 4, therefore, oh, we already read this one, but it's, it's very good and it's uh, important. Therefore, my brethren, you have also, you also have become dead to the law 
through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. And how do we bear fruit to God? I'm, revi- I'm reminded of um, John 15. If you can put that one on the screen, Blake. John 15. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And Jesus says, this is Jesus. I'm the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. For if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And so when we abide with him, and just sit with him, and commune with him, and have intimacy with him, we're able to bear fruit. Because it comes from, it comes out of a relationship with him. Because whenever you know Jesus, the one who went to the cross for you, and had a covenant with you, because of, with his blood on the cross, and took the stripes on his back for you. Well, then you're going to bear that fruit. You're going to bear good fruit. You're going to tell others about him. You're going to be excited when you just abide in him. The only way, I, I think I jumped ahead of myself, but the only way that we can break any stronghold is that we gave our lives to Jesus and he empowered us to do that. He gave us the power and he empowers us by the Holy Spirit to live holy, to live righteous. <laughs> it's, much be- it's much better to be married to a person than it is a list, right? <laughs> A list of things. You know, there's, I think there's 663, no, 613 laws. And if you break even the least of them, you're done for. <laughs> even the least of them. So there was no way that we could perfect this. And there's no way that this, this husband of ours, this first husband... he's just a list of right and wrong oh you did that oh you did that nope that was wrong that was wrong that was wrong (laughs) wrong (laughs) but now we're married to Jesus we are the bride of Christ and many people are still trying to impress Jesus and to get in good with Jesus by keeping a good relationship with their first husband. 
They're serving, they're trying to serve the law to make their marriage better. How would that look in real life? <laughs> hey, honey, I've been going to my first husband's house and cleaning for him and cooking for him. I just thought it would make our marriage better. No, spending time with your husband is going to make your marriage better, right? With your now husband, communing with him. So we don't serve a list anymore. We love a person. And so this is my third point if we have points today. Just if you're trying to do a number three, you know. Is love can empower and it can justify. You are justified by faith, but it is his love that covers Grace is love. (laughs) He did it because he loves us so very much. I always go back to that. Everything in the Bible is just permeated with his love, covered with his love for us. The whole, it's, it's very complicated up in here. It feels very complicated. But all throughout the Old Testament and New is Jesus. He winds it through. It's probably complicated for us, not for the Lord. But he did all of this because he wanted us back in his family. We were taken by sin. We were compromised. We, it was sin messed it all up. Eve messed it up and Adam messed it up. It wasn't just Eve, everybody. If that's what you've heard, you're wrong. It was Adam too. Sorry. I just had to throw that in there. It's Adam too. Don't be like, oh, Eve. Dang it, Eve. It's Adam too, okay? (laughs) But they messed it up. And probably, we probably all would have messed it up, honestly. All of us probably would have messed it up. But he made a way. He probably already planned it out before we ever did it. (laughs) He made a way for us to come back into intimacy communion, fellowship with him. And he is so good, you guys. And love, his love, is the strongest governing force in the world. His love is so good. His love empowers you to live right. Because when you are in love with him, nothing else matters. And that's what my prayer today and for my life, and I mean, you... You can take it, steal it, it's okay. (laughs) But just that I'm more in love with God because, yes, I love God, but am I in love with God? Are you in love with God? We might love him. Yes, we love God. He, He sacrificed himself, you know? You're like, duh, he did this for us. But are you in love with God? I remember Jessica Tate, if you guys know her, or if you remember her, she was, she was, somewhere overseas and she said she was trying to sleep we've all been here I'm sure she was trying to sleep at night and she heard the little kids singing and they were singing like Jesus loves me this I know or something she was like Lord please make them be quiet I'm trying to sleep I'm sure you would never do that but I would (laughs) so when I'm trying to sleep I'm trying to sleep you know I'm trying to get that good beauty thank you thank you husband we like sleep. <laughs> but the Lord said, no, they love me. They're in love with me. They're singing to me. I love this. I don't want them to stop. And so she got up out of her bed 
and went and sat in that midst of those kids just singing, singing to the Lord in the, in the middle of the night. And she just, she just said, like, I want to be in love with you like these kids. And I think that's why the Lord talks about childlike faith and like a child, being like a child. Because we, as a child, you know, you're just like, you just love your parents. You just love people who love you around you. It's just, it's so simple when you're a kid. Everything's fun and simple and you're learning and you're growing. And so my prayer is that in this, that we receive the revelation of grace, that we receive this revelation that we are the bride of Christ. And that we just begin to be more and more in love with him. Grace produces love, and love is what governs us. Because, let me see if I have it written down. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, he says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and with your mind. This is the first and the greatest, the great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And how many of us do that all the time? I know I do not love my neighbor as myself. Literally, like my neighbor. I don't love my neighbor as myself. <laughs> because if we loved our neighbor as ourselves, we wouldn't be selfish, right? We would be giving. We'd probably go over to our neighbor's house and say, hey, what do you need? Here's a pie. Here's this. <laughs> what can I do for you? Can I mow your lawn? You know, you, you give of yourself, right? On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so love is our, is, is our guiding, is our governing. It's what governs us. We have to be governed by love. Well, what we were talking about last week with pride and selfishness, those are not, those, those are not governed. You're not being governed by love if you're in either of those. And some of those are sneaky. You could be like, well, I just need boundaries. Yes, you need boundaries. Yes, even Jesus had some boundaries. <laughs> but he also gave of himself freely. He stayed, I, he stayed up late into the night healing people talking to people, ministering to people. He did only what the Father told him to do. And if we could just do the same thing, if we could ask the Lord, hey, what are the good works that you have for me? And obey. <laughs> 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six. Did y'all know 1 Corinthians had a 56 in there, 15? I'm just saying. <laughs> the sting of death is sin, but the strength of sin is the law. And so we're, we don't want to be, we don't want to be governed by the law anymore. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You like how there's always a but, but God, but, but thanks to God, we don't have to live like that. We do not have to live under that strength of sin, the law. We don't have to live under the law and give this, give sin strength and let make that where sin is our master. We don't have to live like that anymore. 
rules. This is what I've said along, for a long time, which I think is funny because things just come back up over and over. But rules without relationship, they lead to rebellion. So if you live just according to the law and you judge everybody according to the law, like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that, you shouldn't be doing that, you should, I shouldn't, you know, oh, no, I did this, shame on me. And there's no relationship there with the Lord, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. You're going to end up in rebellion eventually <laughs> because there's no way to sustain that. The law is not empowering you. It cannot empower you. And so we have to have that relationship and that abiding with Jesus. Let me just give you one more example. I'm probably not going to keep you much longer. Uh, you guys want to come back up, my team? I know, sorry, not very long today. But just imagine these two scenarios of husbands. Husband one, the first husband says, just want you to know I've been reading the law, and the law says not to commit adultery, so I won't do it because it's wrong. I want to do it. I think about doing it, but I'm not going to do it. Anybody want that husband? No. But husband two says, when your eyes open in the morning, the sun rises. Poetry, you guys. I have no desire for anyone else. My heart jumps when you enter the room. I will never be unfaithful because I'm passionately in love with you. So what do you want? Do you want the the husband who says, I won't because I'm not supposed to? Or do you want the husband that says, I don't want to because I love you? Love has to govern us. Do you see how love governs you there? If you're led by love, you don't want to do that. It's not that you want to and you won't because the law, is you're stuck there. It's that you don't want to because you, you love him and he loves you. And so I know a lot of times we say, oh, I know I'm not supposed to do that. But that's not what it's about. It's about, I don't want to do that because I love him. That will grieve him. I don't want to do that because he loves me. And I love him. So good. So Jesus says he has a covenant with you. And that everything that's his is yours. So you better find out what's his in the Bible. Just go, go search it out, scope it out. He will never leave you. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Even when you're faithless, I will be faithful because I am passionately in love with you right where you are. Not where you're going to be, not where you've been, where you are. He loves you. He's eternal. He has loved you this whole time. He can't love you more, can't love you less. He can want good things for you. He could want you to be doing good works that he's planned for you. He could want you to live in freedom. But he loves you. And when you get this revelation, it's going to cause you and me to be passionately over, head over heels in love with him. Even more than you might be right now. <laughs> so I want you guys this morning just to stand up with us. We're going to sing. I don't know where we're going to sing. What are we going to sing? A song. We're singing a song. <laughs> but 
let's just like worship God. And our prayer people, our prayer partners are gonna be down here. And whatever you need this morning, if you need to give your life to Christ, the altars are open. There's no judgment. We celebrate. The whole, all of heaven celebrates when you come to Christ. When you come to the revelation and to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, righteousness is accounted to you. It's a free gift. (laughs) And it's right there for you to take. You don't got to do nothing except believe, speak, and make him Lord. You got to turn around. And so if you need anything else, if you have pain in your body right now, if you need uh, just prayer, prayer with somebody, somebody to agree with you about your finances, about your family, with holidays coming up. I know there's stuff going on, always family drama or, or just sadness or loneliness. God doesn't want you to stay there. He created us, the church, a family, the body of Christ for a reason. And it's to be there for each other. And so if you have anything that you need prayer for, you can come down. But otherwise, let's just worship him. Let's give him our hearts again. Let's be in love with him. Let's go back to our first love, Jesus. He's so good, you guys. All right. Yes, I'll let you sing.
something that's worth that will bless your hearts I'll bring you more than a song than a song in itself is not what you have required oh you search much deeper within yes you do Andrew, I'd like to go back into that uh, that chorus. Actually, let's just start from the top. I think that one of the best things that we can hear from today's message is that Jesus is not just the destination. He's the companion for the journey. Because it's not about, it's not about how you get there, or, or it, it is about how you get there. It's not about getting there. It's about the journey 
along the way there. And so if you would this morning, um, I just really encourage you to kind of just close your eyes and, and let's just try to let Jesus have his way as we come back to the heart of worship. Come on, it's all about him this morning, amen.
as we sing the words of that song that say Lord Jesus that we just want him what amazes me about that song and coming back to the heart of worship and it's not that it's not about that because it certainly is but as much as we want that perfect relationship that beautiful harmony of living a life that pleases God and we want him and nothing else what's amazing to me about that is that we're enough for him just you and nothing else and so I, I pray that that blesses you and, and that you leave with that, that you're enough for God. That he's not after your works. He's not after your finances. He's not after some sort of um, Christian life, if you will, that fits into this mold. He wants your heart. And I pray that, that God would breathe on you, that his his life would spring forth into your heart and cause you to be made remade and, and brand new according to the Spirit of God Himself. And that we live in that place. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for coming out. Just a couple of things before we uh, get going on our uh, maybe a busy Sunday. Hopefully not. Um, normally Sundays are really busy for me, uh, but hopefully you, you do better at uh, taking a Sabbath on Sundays. Uh, for me, I work on Sunday, so Sabbaths are not Sundays for me. But anyways, I hope you guys have a great Sunday. Um, for those of you who are new here, if this is your first time, would you raise your hand? Lift your hand. Come on, make some noise for our first timers in the building. Um, I, what I need you to do is I need you to text. Blake, this is you. Help me out here, bud. I need you to text. Drum roll, please. Come on. Help him out. He's coming. Text new here. Okay, so if you're new, you have to get out your phone for this part. He's going to do it in a second. He's, he's like really fast normally. Something happened because he was ready right before I came up here. So uh, grab your phone. If, you're, if, if this is your first time, grab your phone, and I need you to text new here, all one word. So 409-228. 0897. So the number is 409. There it is. 409-228-0897. And you're going to text all one word new here. Because one of the things that we're, we're most passionate about after leading people to Jesus is, is living life together as followers of Jesus. And so we're commanded to do this as a community, as followers of Christ, to live with each other, as difficult as that may be, and to love each other as, as Christ loved us, uh, like 
Pastor Caitlin was preaching about. So we'd love to get connected with you. We'd love to get you more resources. We'd love to uh, just partner together with you and uh, just bless you with a little gift. Make sure you grab it on your way out uh, the back door. Um, but without further ado, um, I, I'm going to pass it over to our uh, founding pastor. And he's uh, got a, just a little announcement he'd like to share with us today. So come on up. You better just come on up. It'll just be better. Well, I thought. Make some noise for the one and only. Well, most, most of you are already aware, but we love suddenlies, don't we? When God does a suddenly, it's always awesome. It's always unexpected. It's never what you thought it would be. And this is one of those. I want to invite you to a wedding at 2 o'clock today. I want you to, if you don't know Becky Colville, well, you're going to have just a few minutes to get uh, to, to get to know her because she's going to change her name this afternoon. We, we had planned to keep this just a family affair, but then we realized the family's much bigger than just the ones that live together or are just, you know, brothers and sisters and what have you. And I decided that, well, we decided that it would be much more appropriate to invite all of you. This is small, informal, no reception. Just come and celebrate with us if you care to. If not, just pray for us and love us and and, and don't try and figure it out because we haven't been able to figure it out yet. <laughs> and yes, we are crazy. <laughs> Becky and her husband pastored for 25 years before he passed away about six months before Marilyn did. And uh, I got a text from her brother today and said, Marilyn would be very happy today. So, two o'clock today, we'll start two o'clock sharp. If you're late, you'll miss it. <laughs> and you're all invited. Come on. <laughs> Suddenly. Suddenly we have a, uh, another family member that's joining us. And I love, I love, uh, we love Becky already. She is a sweet, sweet person. Yes, sir, well, of course, that goes without saying. All right, you know the drill. Somebody help me out this morning. Let's go. Love God, love people, and lead well. You guys are dismissed. Have a great week. God bless you.